Hey guys, welcome back to Art of the Float. I've got another episode I'm super excited to share with you. We have guest Andy Shayer on. He is a float marketer. And what's been really cool about meeting our marketing guests is finding out how human they are. And his story was really moving. I hope uh, you stay tuned for what he shares about his personal experiences with floating and what, what got him into marketing for float centers. And he just shares some incredible information that I absolutely loved. Our whole team loved having him on. We want to have him on again in 2021. So please enjoy. Before we get started, I want to shout out Float Helm. Of course, they've teamed up with a company called Plastic Printers. So I hear the conversation brought up pretty frequently. Like, how do you create your gift cards? Do you do it by hand? Do you print them out? Do you do a whole bunch of bulk? Blah, blah, blah. Now you can integrate it in with Helm and go through plastic printers and get your gift cards printed out with them. So I think that's pretty cool. I encourage you to go to the website, enter all your information and get a little consultation for everybody who already has Float Helm. And if you don't have Float Helm already, what are you waiting for? You can just schedule a free consult with them at floathelm.com. Absolutely worth it. It's what we use at the float shop. I also want to give a shout out to Maximum Floats. These guys, Kyle and Alex, have been working in the industry for years on getting clients in your doors. And they've got a really cool program that they are doing for float centers to get people in, not just for one float, but for consecutive floats and hopefully build people into a lifetime of floating. It is um, intensive. It's it, There's a lot to it. It's not just um, a simple Facebook ad. It's a whole system. And I encourage you to check it out at MaximumFloats.com. One other thing, check your inbox and see if you have a survey for the float conference. Please open that up. They need to know your information, your thoughts and opinions. So please open that up, fill out that survey. It will help a ton. Please help shape our industry. It's important. Thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. I am your co-host, Dylan. I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon with my lovely wife, Sandra. And up until recently, I was trying to do every single Friday, a Float Science Friday little tidbit on our social media. But I'm so happy to have handed that over to Kim with Mindful Solutions. So now she is taking care of my social media. Hi, this is Gloria from Float60 and what he said. (laughs) (laughs) This is Drew from New Hampshire Float. And I currently don't know the status of my social media, and I probably should, but <laughs> the truth is I don't. I've got a lot going on, so that's where I'm at with honest, social media. Honest. Yeah. You sound like a float center owner. Right. And I am Kim Hannon. I own Sukino Float Center in Salt Cave in Southern Indiana with my husband, Graham, the other Graham. <laughs> and uh, I think educating people on what floating is, what to expect about the float process, what the benefits are, that is what I do. That is what I eat and breathe. And I'm really excited to hear a little more and to get to learn some more stuff about that. And perhaps now we should bring on our guest, Andy Shayer. Thank you so much for being here this evening. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this all week. Oh, thanks. Well, um, can you go ahead and give yourself a little introduction and your background, please? Sure. So uh, I'm from Seattle, Washington. I've been working with Float Seattle uh, for the last two or three years. Um, my role with them has been to optimize our digital advertising across the board get the absolute most results we can for the least amount of spend and the most consistent. So that's that's been my focus and that's what my uh, my specialty is. 
Perfect. And that's that's why you're on tonight. Uh, I think that's what we're going to be delving into. And uh, I heard that you came prepared with some exciting data as well. So I, I we love our data here. So that is great. Um, where where shall we begin? Um, I mean, where did you begin learning, getting into your social media? Well, so I learned social media advertising in large part to help my family's business this out originally. Both of my parents are small business owners in Seattle. They run a dance school. Um, so I got into Facebook advertising to try to get more bodies into the dance class. But a couple years later, I discovered floating and it totally rocked my world and uh, felt called to get involved in the industry. And uh, here I am three years later. Excellent. And and how had, did it start working with, so, uh, excuse me, and how did it start working out with Float Seattle? Well, I suppose that story actually starts when I was 16 years old in many respects. Um I'm 27 years old now. Just as I expected, yes. <laughs> but uh, the reason that floating became such a big, important part of my life is because when I was 16 years old, uh, I was mugged and robbed at gunpoint and left with some serious traumas that I've been kind of dealing with for the last 10 years or so of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and floating has been probably the single most powerful tool for for changing the emotional and thought responses that I have to the, the stimuli and in, in from that traumatic night for me. Wow. wow. Without, without getting too, too deep into it. Um, yeah. Essentially, you know, uh, the night that I got attacked, I was with a couple of friends. It was shortly after new year's Eve. We were cutting back through uh, an elementary school to visit, to get back to one of their houses. Um, when this guy rolled up on us and we didn't know who he was, but we thought maybe he was someone that we knew. So we let him get too close and as soon as he was in uh, arm's length reach, he sucker punched me right in the face, wow. knocked me to the ground, knocked me out cold. Oh, so wow. I come, my face is swollen, I'm bleeding, I'm concussed. Uh, and I look over and he's got me and my three other friends face down on the ground. Uh, and he's got a gun and he's taken our wallet and our phone and he's tormenting us, telling us about how he's about to kill us oh, and kill God. our friends right in front of us. Oh my it, God. it was brutal. Scariest night of my life. Sure. Zero out of 10. Do not recommend. <laughs> wow. And so that was something I lived with for, you know, really ever since. It hasn't ever gone away completely. But, um, and for many, many years, you know, I, I, I was sort of a slave to the automatic responses of my body anytime my thoughts would go there. Um, you know, my, my fight or flight response would kick in anytime I replayed the events that happened that night. Even though I was miles away, years away from the danger itself, my body didn't know the difference. So anytime those thoughts would creep in, I would find myself uh, just having a pretty bad time, right? Muscle tension, general stress and anxiety. It led to burnout and depression and all kinds of stuff. Because You guys know probably more than anyone else how much those systems tie in with one another, right? Right. So fast forward probably six or seven years later, my wife, Jessica, uh, began working at a local float center. She discovered it first and fell in love with it. Interesting. And uh, bought me my first couple of floats. And it, the first two were interesting, but the third one is when there was this boom, eureka moment, light bulb went off. And what, as best I can describe what happened, I can still remember it so clearly, but I was laying in the tank, probably 20 or 30 minutes in, relaxing into it, really settling in. And the thoughts of that night crept into my, you know, into the front of my head as they often did. But for the first time that I could ever remember, my body didn't have the same 
automatic response to it. Wow. And I felt that for the first time I could see everything that happened that night through a brand new lens. It was almost like I was an out of body experience watching what was happening around us. And I felt like for the first time I could really, really look at who this person was that had attacked me because for years I had set them up to be this demon, you know, this, this tormentor in my mind, but without my body being in that high stress state and, and looking at it a little more objectively, I realized, wow, this person is just a dude. And the only way he could have done that to us is if he had experienced similar kinds of trauma. I believe from the bottom of my heart that that's something that you don't just have. That, that had to have been done to him first. And that was something he passed on to us. So in that third float, I realized, wow, I, I have the opportunity to forgive this person if I want to. And if I could even love him if I wanted to. Nothing could stop me from doing that if I decided I want to. And in a float tank was the first time that it occurred to me. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It changed my life. And, and now, you know, those thoughts will still creep in. And sometimes I'll, you know, feel myself getting stressed out about it. But I can talk about it this openly now because I feel like the, in that float, it sort of started forging the neural pathways that have allowed me to redirect the thought process to somewhere a little more productive and wholesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in, in many respects now, I look back on, on that tr- terrible thing that happened to me. And when I ask myself, why did it happen? Well, it's so that I could fall in love with floating and, and f- develop this whole new passion in my life and make a difference in other people's lives. So cool. <laughs> I love that. That is so stinking cool. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate that, that vulnerability hey, to share. Thank you. It's my pleasure, guys. Thanks for uh, providing a forum to do so. Yeah. yeah and Andy, I, I, like, wow. I had no idea what to expect tonight. And you and I met in the past, you know, just briefly on online and, Mm -hmm. you know, for you to share something so uh, important that has shaped you and and to learn how, you know, floating has uh, helped you. It's just really special. So I wasn't expecting that. And, you know, we're very grateful for your transparency. Well, thank you, Gloria. I'm, I honestly cannot tell you guys how grateful I am to you for running float centers and taking the risk to get them open, to make them available to people like me around the country and around the world. I mean, uh, it's not- you guys are my heroes, man. This is- <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, you exciting. know, I, really I think, yeah, right now, a lot of people need to hear that um, yeah, right. because a lot of folks are really stuck in the throes of the business side mm-hmm. and how to survive a really, really, really hard year. And we survive it by doing what we do yeah. and, and providing that space for, for you and for, for others who've been through, you know, experiences like that. So, yes. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for doing that. <laughs> so we have your story of, of your history with, and history of floating converging with your parents' business and, and uh, getting into their social media. And mm-hmm. now I'm curious how those two have combined and what you've learned from that, if you care to share. Oh, I'm, I'm more than happy to. <laughs> so shortly after that particular float, I, I, I felt called. I had to get involved in the industry somehow. Hmm. My wife was working at the time for Float Seattle here in town. Um, so I, I got in touch with the owner, uh, who at the time was the original owner, Sean McCormick, mm-hmm. uh, founded it back in 2012. But a few months after I got involved, just doing some real basic market you know, testing with him, he ended up selling the business to his general manager, Andrew Lopp now, and a, a frequent floater, Dean Paris. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to meet them, but oh my God, they're awesome. They rock. <laughs> um, and, and very shortly after that, 
Uh, Andrew Lopnow and his girlfriend, Kara, who also worked as a float guide at Float Seattle, ended up moving in and becoming housemates with my wife and I. So we sort of ended up in this like incubator tank of <laughs> just float business culture, you know, supporting each other, talking about it constantly, solving problems with all of us. It was, it was amazing. Super cool. Yeah. So the, the biggest thing that we realized is that early on in our testing, you know, we, we tried doing what we saw a lot of other wellness businesses doing, um, which is running ads for, you know, things like, hey, you know, try a float for $50 or $20 off or, or the kind of discount language in advertising that a lot of other businesses like a, like a chiropractor or a massage therapist can totally get away with because everyone already knows what those businesses are and what services they provide and what they're good for, right? But the big obstacle is that most people don't have any freaking idea what floating is. So if you say, hey, come try a float for $39, it's a great deal. They have no frame of reference. They don't even know what you're talking about. They can't say yes to it. Right? So in that year that we were living together, we said, okay, what if we shifted our priorities from advertising with intro deals to advertising educational content? Rather than making the, the sale up front be the, the dialogue that we try to have with people, what if we could create an educational video that we deploy? We know that people are scrolling for two or three hours a day on social media. What would happen if we paid to put some educational content into their newsfeed? And our, our, our goal was that we'd be able to do this in a way where we could cultivate our own little audience of educated buyers within a 10 or 15 mile radius of Float Seattle centers. And then hopefully convert enough of those interested people into new customers that we get a positive return on the ad spend and push the message even farther. So we ended up developing a three-minute animated video for Float Seattle with the help of a, a member at Float Seattle who was a specialist in animation. Um, and we've, in the last year, we've deployed it. We've, I think we've shown it to over 100,000 people in the greater Seattle area. Interesting. What we've learned is that a lot of people aren't interested in it. A lot of people, it goes right by them and they don't even, it doesn't grab them. But of the people who did watch the video, who, who actually stopped and watched this three-minute animated basic, basic educational video that we've put together, 90% of those people who watched the entire video went on to become customers for Flow Seattle. Right. No, so that's interesting. Big time. <laughs> yeah. And you know, we we did some marketing salesy stuff. We made sure that the video had some you know, clear calls to action at the end to send people to the store where we show them the intro prices. Anyone who didn't buy up front, we would show retargeting ads to to make sure that they stayed aware of the deals that we were running. But overall, in the last year, this one piece of content, this three-minute video that we developed together, uh, has brought in over 600 first-time floaters, generated over $45,000 in revenue for the business, and has gotten us like a 615% return on our ad budget. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's been real successful. And what kind of ads are you running to get these videos out there? Well, this one, because of the length, it was uh, three minutes, a little over three minutes long. The only place we could put it was in Facebook news feeds. So Instagram has a two minute limit for, for the content you could put in there, but this video we could place right into, right into people's news feeds. So as they're scrolling down, it's just, hey, have you ever heard of sensory deprivation or float therapy? It's really cool. Listen to us for three minutes and learn about it. What kind of ad spend were you using? What kind of targeting were you using? This is stuff I think yeah, sure. float center owners are always so hungry for this, this bit yeah. of information here. So largely, we we focused on doing a lot of lookalike audiences. So we, we took the 
customer list of Float Seattle, and we plugged that into our Facebook advertising platform. We said, Facebook, generate a list of people that are similar in user base to these existing, you know, 35, 40,000 customers that Float Seattle's had since 2012. Um, by far, that's been the most effective group. You know, Facebook's algorithms are, are pretty sophisticated in terms of figuring out what people like what kind of content. That's that's the entire functionality of their platform is right. trying to keep you on their platform. So in, in large part, we let them optimize it for us. We, but um, but yeah, lookalike audiences are super valuable, but we've honestly gotten profitable results just from running it to a totally cold audience too. And in large part, because in the video, we, we really go into talking about the the kind of people that we knew were coming already, that were already buying floats at Float Seattle. And so we made sure to address, you know, here's the basics of what sensory deprivation is, what an actual float experience is like. But beyond that, here's how it helps specifically for chronic pain. Here's how it's helped specifically for anxiety and mental health, specifically for mindfulness and meditation. Um, and really, what, what I've learned in the last year is that the real opportunity for the float industry is actually in understanding those specific buyers more than it is about just general education about float therapy. Sure, yes. And so some of the data that I've brought tonight actually focuses specifically on quantifying what the actual market sizes uh, are of those particular buyers for the float industry. Um, not, I guess not just for the float industry, but like on a macro level in all of like the United States, how many people are there that are dealing with the kinds of problems that floating is good at solving? Super cool, and, I love that. Yeah, and, and what, what kind of, like how much money are they already spending to try and solve this problem without knowing floating is even an option? I cannot wait on that. Before we jump in, oh, I think Gloria and Drew might yeah, have some I, questions here. I would love to ask when you took that snapshot, like when what time frame does that data set represent? And, you know, did you see any shift Obviously, I would think the answer is yes, a shift in people who, you know, have the, have the need for it more now than ever. Yeah, you're spot on, Gloria. Um, what, what we found, so most of the data I'm going to show is actually from 2019. Um, okay. And, and I'll get into a little bit of why we, we chose that kind of time frame to, to really face all of this with. Um, big surprise is the pandemic, right? There was a massive interruption to the organic interest in floating right about spring of this, this year. So, um, but what's interesting is that a lot of the problems that floating is good at solving kind of transcend a pandemic. You know, if someone's dealing with chronic back pain, for instance, like they're, that back pain doesn't go away just because the, the country's in shutdown or lockdown. So my impression is that the spending habits of people that are already living with these problems are, are going to be there whether there's a, a, a pandemic affecting the organic interest in sensory deprivation of float therapy or not. Um, and so in total, there's there's four different markets that I'd like for us to take a look at. Uh, one being chronic back pain, one being chronic joint pain, one being uh, major depressive disorders, and one being an, uh, anxiety disorders, which represent, from my research, the four biggest opportunities for understanding specific biomarkets that floating can help. Lovely. Uh, buckle yeah. me in. Take, take okay. me for a ride. This All is right. great. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me cue this up for us. Starting with chronic back pain represents the smallest amount of the market of these four that we've got identified. According this to a report from Georgetown University uh, in 2019, 7% of adults in America are dealing with chronic back pain in their lives. That represents about 16 million people in total across the U.S. On average, according to uh, a report done by the University of Washington, someone dealing with chronic back pain will spend an average of $2,500 a year just on trying to manage that back pain. So we did some polling of our float customers from Float Seattle, and we learned that in addition to the of the people who are already spending money on floating, 
Additionally, they've explored uh, pain medication, chiropractic work, massage therapy, and acupuncture are typically the most common other solutions that people are turning to. So right now, in a year, the annual market value for managing back pain in the U.S. is $86 billion spread out across typically medication, chiropractic, massage therapy, and acupuncture work, right? Enormous. That's huge. We'll get into some relative sizes of what the actual float market is in in, in a few slides here. But next, let's take a look at uh, depression. Oops, oops. Depression. 8% of adults are diagnosed with depression, uh, a major depressive disorder, which is more significant than just a minor depressive episodes, which might last a week or two, major depressive disorders are are longer term. It can be weeks, months, sometimes years at a time. So 8% of adults in the U.S. comes out to about 17 million people who are dealing with this and living with this every day, every year. This is a major part of their lives. People with major depressive disorders, on average, spend $6,100 a year managing that between medication and therapy and exercise and, and meditation and stuff like that. So the depression management market in America is $105 billion every single year. Wow. Man. And we're, we're just getting started. Right? <laughs> Anxiety disorder affects 18% of adults, which is 40 million people in America. Average medical costs every year are $6,400 to manage uh, major anxiety disorders. And we've heard from, from experts uh, talking about what some of those treatment options look like uh, especially when it comes to medication, we're, we're facing a, a potential ep- epidemic with benzodiazepines rearing its head. Uh, floating to me seems like the alternative. I would much rather have people getting into tanks than getting hooked on, on a, a management solution that doesn't necessarily have a, a fix at the end of it. Um, but typically people are right now with anxiety disorders are spending money on medication, therapy, exercise, and yoga and meditation. In an average year, that's a $116 billion market, according to the American Psychological Association. And last but not least, the chronic joint pain market affects 23% of adults in America, which comes out to 54 million people. An average medical cost of $2,100 a year between pain meds, steroid injections, physical therapy, and massages to manage that, $140 billion a year market. This file was optimized by remastermedia.com. In total... There are 127 million potential buyers in the U.S. that have these problems that floating is eminently well-suited at managing and solving for people. And if you add all these markets up, across these 127 million people, they spend an average of four point, uh, sorry, $447 billion a year to manage these problems, which is 2% of the entire gross domestic product of the U.S. Right? So there is a massive massive amount of money being spent every year to manage and and try to build a healthy, wholesome life in the face of these obstacles that people are facing. So I took the liberty of zooming in on what that might look like on a local level, because we can talk about macro, but like, let's talk about, let's talk about Portland, for instance. I I, I did some research uh, to get ready for this, Dylan, I actually went into Facebook ads. Sir. Yeah, man. We dropped a pin right on the float shop. I pulled a 15 mile radius around it. Okay. On Facebook. So targetable with Facebook and Instagram ads within a 15 mile radius around your float shop is about 1.5 million Facebook users, adult Facebook users. So statistically, if 7% of them are dealing with chronic back pain, there's a hundred thousand people 
within a 15 mile radius who are living with chronic back pain and they spend a quarter of a billion dollars a year managing that back pain right in your backyard. Crazy. Yeah. If 23% of them are dealing with joint pain, that's 330,000 people. They're spending $680 million a year to manage their joint pain. 8% wow. of people with depression are spending almost three quarters of a billion dollars of a year every wow. year, $700,000 to manage depression. And the 18% of people who are dealing with a major anxiety disorder spend $1.7 billion a year to manage that, all within a 15-mile radius around your shop, Dylan. Wow, that's great. No, like, it, is, it is. I mean, it is and it isn't, right? Of course, yes. It's, it's, I, it's a problem, but you've got the fix. It, it is amazing just to step back away from the float center stuff for a minute, just to see yeah. these numbers and see how chronically, I guess, in, in pain or suffering we are as Americans, like just the sheer number of this is incredible. And it, it just Absolutely. a little, little bit of perspective because of this and the amount of money, the, you know, the capitalistic portion of it, of, of what we're doing to, to fix it. That's just incredible. Yeah. Um, but yes, back to the float shop part. Um, wow. What great insight to, mm -hmm. Whom, who would want to come in and experience floating. I love this. Yeah, yeah. So, so Andy, I have a quick yeah, question before absolutely. you dive into some of this. Um, you've specifically broken it into chronic back pain versus joint pain. I think a lot of times as float center owners, we all tend to just lump pain together. Mm -hmm. Is there a particular reason that you segmented those? Yeah, actually, a great question. So in large part, we broke these out based on the actual feedback that we got from pulling our most frequent floaters at Float Seattle. So they differentiated to us that I float for my back pain problems versus my joint pain problems. Okay. Um, and so we realized, okay, if we want to, if we want to communicate to them, we've got to get hyper specific on exactly what their problem is. That's exactly um, where I was thinking of, yeah. like, if you're trying to grab somebody's attention, saying, you know, you're you're living with pain is one thing. They're like, yeah, 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 I've heard it all. But when you can kind of target a little bit further and say you're dealing with joint pain or if you have you know, chronic back pain, I think people are a little bit more apt to pay attention to that. So that's a really, really interesting, such a simple point, mm -hmm. um, but very profound. Yeah. And honestly, I think it, it also extends to, it affects the kind of communication that we have to have with these people as our, on our journey to educate them. Because yes. the mechanics of the float tank uh, affect people differently depending on whether they're dealing with back pain or joint pain. Mm -hmm. and, and being able to parse out those specific messages um, really make all the difference in the world. It, it's, it's about really talking to each one of these people as individuals and addressing the exact thing that they're dealing with and then showing them the exact solution for it rather than generalizing you know, uh, on a macro level. So I assume the next step is you set up my Facebook advertising for me. <laughs> well, I, I'm, my vision is to go there eventually, right? Like nice. that's, that's the role. What I want to do for the industry at large is like, this is a massive opportunity. It's a massive problem to solve, but it's a massive opportunity for us to, to do something with it. Because um, specifically, just in Portland, Dylan, statistically, 825,000 people are potential buyers for floating within a 15 mile radius of your shop. Um, that's 55% of the average of, of adult Facebook users, right? So statistically, like more than half of the people out there have problems that you can solve. And they're already spending three and a half billion dollars a year to solve it right in your backyard. Right? Uh, and it actually scales pretty, pretty exactly to 2% of Portland's annual gross domestic product as well. Wow. Mirrors national and local. So I, just as a thought experiment, like I thought, okay, what, if you could shift 1% of that spending into the float industry, 
like not not capture 50% or anything, create just 1% within a 15 mile radius around your center, that would represent a $34 million a year market that people could be spending on floating that they're spending everywhere else right now. That would be like, a little above normal, yeah. Yeah, right, it yeah. wouldn't be bad. <laughs> so, and, and, yeah, I see what you're saying, this is great. Yeah, yeah. It, so, you know, obviously there's gonna be some variance in this, right? I did my best to find is the cr most credible sources I could for, for the data putting this together. For sure. But even if I'm off by a little bit, even if I'm off by a lot, even if I'm off by half, it's still massive opportunity here, right? Absolutely. You're you're addressing something that, you know, I know at least I've shied away from because we're very careful not to make claims as to what floating does and does not. So how do you kind of balance mm -hmm. this really amazing data with the anecdotal information you get mm -hmm. from people at your float center and put that in a format that is usable um, in advertising? That's a great question. And honestly, that, that's one of the biggest obstacles to creating content that can effectively educate people. Um, you know, we, we've had this one particular video in Seattle that we've been running for the last year that's been real effective, but we've tried a few other times to create more buyer-specific videos that you know, we hit major roadblocks in because Facebook gets real unhappy oh, if you right. start calling people out for specific problems that they have. Even though they know exactly who their users are that have back pain, you can't just post a Facebook ad that says, hey, are you dealing with back pain? Because that, that violates the, the uh, communication policies of, of Facebook's ad platform. So you have to strike a balance between educating people in almost uh, a neutral way, right? Rather, so creating a piece of content that rather than starting off by saying, hey, are you dealing with back pain, floating and help? Starting it off with, you know, hey, did you know that new clinical research is showing that floating can help people deal with back pain? And then transitioning into almost a, a little less of a personal dialogue in the communications for that video is what we found is most effective. Um, but then also making sure that the, the actual science that we're quoting is, uh, you know, it's cutting edge and, and accurate as possible. Um, th there's sort of a delay in the industry and culture of floating right now. And I'm sure you guys all appreciate this as floats and our owners that you probably get just a ton of anecdotal feedback from people about how good floating is at solving these problems for them. Mm -hmm. yes. But the clinical side is still catching up to it. And so, you know, it, Facebook doesn't like anecdotal evidence. They they need real facts, in, especially if you're going to be spending money to promote it, right? So, it really is, Andy, I, I just have to say that it really is fascinating to take everything that anyone who knows anything about marketing knows. This file you know that it's all about targeting and speaking directly to that person saying, hey, I see you with your back pain and mm -hmm. I have a, a, an answer to your problem. Facebook doesn't let you do that. Nope. And it really, I think that's one of the things that people are most frustrated with whenever it comes to paid advertising is just being able to get their ads approved. Mm -hmm. um, and so your your tips on um, how to present information without necessarily calling that exact person, those are really, really helpful for folks. Good, I'm glad. I have a, another uh, question just around the marketing that you're doing for Float Seattle. So are you taking this approach and doing any type of analytics on your existing email database and then trying to drive an incremental visit or two based on that? Or do you feel like the people at Float Seattle in the database are already, you know, seeing that frequency that you guys are happy with? I mean, I, I asked the question because sometimes I think that we spend, you know, a lot of effort 
on customer acquisition mm-hmm. and we don't do a good job balancing the nurturing of our existing database. And I feel like if we could, like for us, having like 60,000 people in our email database, if we could just take a percentage of those people who have already told us they love us, they've already been here, they already expressed you know, their review of how much they enjoyed the experience. But I, I just, I'm curious to see if you spend any cycles on that, or maybe it's somebody else in your center. Yeah, great question, Gloria. So my focus specifically for Float Seattle has definitely been kind of tunnel vision on customer acquisition more than re-engagement of existing customer bases. Um, most, most of the rest of that is just managed in-house by, by Andrew Lopnow and Dean Paris and some of the float staff that kind of take more leadership roles. Um, one of the things we have experimented with is digging through our customer data to figure out, is there any hard numbers that we can point to to say that there's some kind of like light bulb moment that goes off in general for people, depending on how many visits they've, they've come in and had. And that's, that's something we're exploring right now in a major way. Uh, because we actually just did an exercise with uh, a couple of weeks ago where we dug through the most recent data factoring in everything with the pandemic for this year. What we found is that if you know, we can sell a float, uh, an intro float for about $45 is what we charge right now for an intro float. <clears throat> on average, a new customer coming into Float Seattle will come back 2.1 times on average and end up spending about $77 in total on the business. But if you can get someone to come in three times, then on average, they're going to come back nine times, is what we found in our data. So we, we, one, of the, I guess one of the things we have done uh, is try to readjust the membership structure and uh, offers that we had at Float Seattle. This was something we rolled out probably about a year ago, um, where when we first were, were seeing data that was indicating that, man, if we could get more people to that three float threshold, they'd get it and they'll stick around a lot longer. So we started running an intro membership offer uh, where after someone comes out of the tech for the first time, one of the float staff comes and offers them to upgrade to a one float a month membership for $54. And if they do it right then, to uh, we give them an additional two float credits on their account to use within the next 30 days. Oh, interesting. So you know, the idea was that if they, if they upgrade to the membership and they come back in another couple of times, statistically, they're going to end up being worth four or $500 to the business. Right. Right. That's a so, big, yeah. We've done a lot of work and I've talked about it on some other episodes before our intro package. Um, we don't discount the first visit because we want to reward repeat visits. And so we charge full price, $69 for our first visit. But after that experience, if they enjoyed it, they purchase their second one, we give the third for free and they have three months to use both of those you know, uh, additional floats and it starts you know, that day. Mm-hmm. Um, what we found is most people will take us up on that. I need to go back and look at my data. We used to have a really, really high conversion rate, but this year I haven't really looked mm-hmm. at a lot of that. Um, but it's a very, very effective way. Once people get to that third one, what happens though is because in their minds, it was a free visit. They didn't pay for that day. They have no problem signing up for a membership. And so that's, you know, our sales funnel works really well that way. Um, and, and most people, again, will just jump right in to sign up um, for the membership on their third float. Mm. So I'm curious because you, you use the language of intro membership. Do you find that people are resistant or are they receptive to that? Because I feel like sometimes people who are brand new to something, whenever you, sign, you say membership, like that feels like a, a big commitment. Do you have mm-hmm. people who kind of balk at that? You know, 
if we do, that's it's, I probably uh, interact with less of that balking just because I'm I'm sort of hidden behind a computer mm-hmm. compared to the people who are actually in in the center pitching it to people. Um, but I do know that since we launched that offer, our membership is up. Um, nice. I think fifteen or twenty percent higher than it's been in years past in terms of our, our average conversion rate every month. Awesome. Um, so it's even some people might balk at it, but I think the fact that we're making it juicier up front, you know, just makes it more appealing. People are more open-minded. If, if they didn't, if they hated their first vote, they're not going to try it. But if they have any interest in trying it, it's the, it's the perfect offer to get them to come back and hit that eureka moment. Awesome. Sorry, we, we derailed you a little bit on the Yeah, okay. because we do have limited time, I want to just give Andy the floor to, if, if there are more slides, to just keep driving here. Yeah, I, I'd love, so I, there's, there's a few more things I'd love to share. Please. Um, especially coming out of this data specifically for Portland, because we'll kind of use this as a guinea pig, all right? In a 15 mile radius around your center, there's 825,000 potential buyers on social media right now. But how does that compare to the existing market, the existing demand for floating in the US? In 2019, all of 2019, across the entire country, there were only 800,000 searches on Google for anything related to sensory deprivation <laughs> or float therapy. Right? And, and that breaks out to about 600,000 for sensory deprivation specifically, which isn't necessarily an indicator that someone's looking to try floating, just that they're interested in the novel uh, environment that a float tank offers. The, the real potential buyers of these search terms are the people explicitly looking for float therapy or float centers or float spots, which represent about 200,000 people. Wow. So with this 800,000 um, took a hit though in 2020. The pandemic definitely had an effect on the organic uh, interest in floating in the US. And you can see it clear as day. when you, This is a, a, a snapshot of a Google Trends look from the beginning of 2019 to right now. And you can see that, you know, Overall, the blue represents sensory deprivation search terms. The red and the orange represent float therapy or float center, center search terms. And it's pretty steady. Everything's going well. And then boom, right spring of this year, April, it drops dead. And it starts to creep back up slowly, slowly, slowly through the summer. But we're still at a solid like third less volume of interest organically in sensory deprivation or floating than we were before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So the, I think the... This is a major obstacle to the industry right now because that organic demand is what's driving it. The word of mouth, people telling each other, people hearing about it from Joe Rogan. If we don't figure out a way to get the word out there proactively, then we're limited. We're, this is the, the glass ceiling, so to speak, of, of, of interest for floating right now. And we can expect that you know, it'll probably slowly work its way back up, but it might take another year or so to really hit the same volume of interest that, was, that we were experiencing in 2019. I'd be curious to know, um, and this isn't really necessarily directed to you, but I'd be curious to know, like, if uh, the issue search numbers have gone up, and maybe that's where you're going with this, like, people looking for help for anxiety or holistic approaches for um, depression or, you know, some of those things. If that if that number has been increasing, then that's really our opportunity, and, and we go into this whole other piece of making sure that your website is SEO optimized and all of that. Yeah, it's a great question, Kim. Um, you know, to be honest, there's a lot of that data that I don't have yet, just because we're we're not quite to the end of 2020. But I'm really optimistic that once once all these platforms that I'm using to pull this info from catch up, and we can really look at the year as a whole, you know, we can we can kind of tell you know what, what those are trending towards. I, I do feel like people who are dealing with back pain, joint pain, anxiety, and depression, there's not less of them in spite of the pandemic. 
right? Like the, it's those people are still out there, still looking for a solution, and in large part, they're still paying that same amount of money for the solutions they can currently get. Um, so I, I guess I view those those markets as a little more static than dynamic in terms of how they how they change in the face of a pandemic compared to something like sensory deprivation or float therapy, explicitly at least. So the next slide that I have here kind of just visually shows that compared to the macro market opportunity of these 127 million buyers across the US, if you, if you took all of the searches in 2019 for anything related to floating, it represents less than 1% of the total volume of people out there that we could help. So we're really, we are just scratching the surface in the industry right now. It is, it is still so young and there's so much opportunity to get the word out there and educate people if we have the right tools for it. All right. I love this. Awesome. I love the numbers. I love learning stuff like that. Specifically, are you able to give examples of the, so you're, you broke it down to four different topics. What are you educating people on within those topics? Like Kim was saying, we're, or Gloria, sorry, um, we're really careful about making claims. So can you give an example of, you know, what's an ad look like or a video look like that is addressing anxiety. Are you sure. specifically saying the word anxiety? I like how have you already done this and have a formula that works? Well, it's uh, a great question, Drew. I'm in the middle of development right now for new videos for each of these four buyer markets, um, and I've I've made a point of getting a team around me of people who can advise me in beyond my scope and ability because I'm I'm good at advertising and marketing and numbers, but I can't. I don't quite have the mind to go in and discern data out of the clinical studies that have been done to say what claims can we make factually. Mm -hmm. So I've actually got uh, the magnanimous MC Flux on board as a, a scientific consultant for the, the stuff that we're developing right now. Uh, and I'm going to make sure that any piece of content that we develop moving forward gets his golden seal of approval in terms of accurate data that's being conveyed. Um, and I'm hoping that that will let us balance the, the anecdotal with the hard science in the face of that. It's so great that you just said that. I was literally thinking about 10 minutes ago when you were talking that the combination of flux and you would be a superpower and boom, you just said that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that is uh, really interesting. How did that relationship um, start? And, you know, when you say he's kind of consulting with you, like what's the, what's the, the depth of that relationship? Sure. So flux and I met uh, at the 2018 float conference over in Colorado. Um, I think he gave the presentation that year on rhythm, like, uh, was optimized. rhythms within the body and the, the nervous system specifically and how it relates to the science of the heart, um, which I, I loved. I might, before I got into marketing for my parents' business, I actually was a, a music producer and a record producer. So I've, I've got, you know, I've been playing guitar for like 15 years. Sound waves are my jam. So when he started breaking out the relative science of rhythms and pulses within the body in terms of waves, I was like, oh, I got to talk to this guy. This is so cool. <laughs> um, That's great. So we, we had a chance to connect to that conference. We stayed in touch on social media. Uh, and really, just as this as this kind of evolved in my head, he's been a, a, a semi-frequent person that I'd reach out to um, in, a, in a more informal capacity up until a couple of months ago when we really started talking about, okay, how do we like, how do we seriously overhaul the content the industry has available right now? Mm. Um, so his role specifically is like, he, he has access to damn near every piece of published clinical scientific data about anything done related to flow science. Um, and he's got a team of people working under him uh, at his uh, university 
working to organize it and, and kind of create bite-sized summaries of what those findings are, have revealed. Oh my God. So in large part, he's, he's fact-checking me on making sure that the explanations of how, you know, uh, like how the anxiety, how anxiety actually triggers the, the, the uh, sympathetic nervous system, you know, the, the processes that, that, that unfold when that happens and how floating can help interrupt and create uh, new alternative responses in the body. So one example, small example of floating for anxiety specifically there, Drew. Um, you know, in these videos, we're not getting into nearly the depth of detail that Flux brings to the presentations that he shares with the industry because it's it's a little too much. It's, it's overwhelming, I think, for, for someone who's just dealing with anxiety. They don't need to know the deep, deep science. They just need to know kind of a topical level what is factual, um, like what is being proven, what's real. And then I think visually, if we can tell the story of someone dealing with those problems and then finding a solution in a float tank as we explain the, the science as and, and really use the science to reposition floating as an additional or alternative solution that these people are already using in the market. Right? So if someone with back pain is already spending money on a chiropractor, already spending money on pain meds and, and getting acupuncture and massage, we need to position floating in that person's mind as an additional resource in those spending habits to solve that problem. And so yeah, Flux is making sure that the, the science we're pointing to, to draw those parallels, uh, is you know, above the board and, and ethical and accurate. Nice. Um, and I feel like I feel like sometimes we're like we hear all this anecdotal stuff, but there's not the research to back it up. And I am surprised. I always go to uh, clinicalflotation.com where I find all of my document, all of my published uh, reports. What, what am I trying to say? Um, what is the word? I'm sorry. Yeah, the published research. Um, research and. Uh, I'm amazed at how much it actually exists and is out there. Unfortunately, we talked to like Tom Fine and he's like, even the studies he did, he's like, ah, too small of a sample size. I wouldn't believe that. Like, dang it anyways. But, but at least we have those, those seeds where there actually is research backing it up. Um, I am so sorry that I have to say we have to start wrapping this up. Uh, That's okay. I feel like we've barely even started scratching the surface of things. We need to have you back on. I want to talk more about this. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to, to plug your business and what you're doing as well. So please have the floor one more time here. I appreciate that, Dylan. Thank you. So uh, in addition to working for Float Seattle, I've launched my own production company called Rising Tide Advertising. Uh, the mission of this business is to create resources that the entire industry can use to actively educate new people about how floating solves these problems that they're dealing with. I've got development right now for four videos, these four big markets that we've got identified. Uh, I've got a dream team around me in addition to Dr. Flux. I've also got uh, a fellow named Ken Kaplan who runs a float center in New Jersey, who uh, runs a float center and is also a licensing attorney. So he's helping us make sure that all of the uh, resources we're using in the project can be redistributed throughout the industry as soon as they're developed and, and ready to go live. Um, so yeah, if you're, if you're interested in following the progress of that development, you can check it out at risingtideadvertising.com. If you haven't already gotten it, you can get access to some uh, animated videos we made to educate people on your website. You can't use those videos for advertising, but they're great uh, educational resources for your Float Center's website. Uh, and if you want to help expedite the process at all for development, you know, you're, uh, we've got a GoFundMe going, so you're welcome to donate and uh, help expedite that process. But we do expect these videos to be live in the early parts of 2021. They're, they're really close. So can uh, you use that as organic posts on social media? Yes, we can. Awesome. Cool. Uh, what's the GoFundMe address? Uh, you know, I'm not oh, sure, but it's search Rising Tide. Yeah, risingtideadvertising.com is the website, and there's a link there that you can, you can access it. Got it. 
Lovely. Uh, usually I open the floor for any final questions from our guests, but we have to have to put a lid on it tonight. Andy, thank you so much. This has uh, been so insightful and it's actually very inspiring, which is um, really, really nice to, to feel right now. Like, ah, the world is my oyster. Um, I, I can start grabbing these things. I have a lot more questions, but again, we're just going to have to wait until next time. Thank you, Andy. Thank you so much for, for joining us tonight. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for having me. There you have it. There was our guest, Andy Scheer. Thank you again so much, Andy, for being on the show. I want to give a few shout outs before we wrap it up. Kim, thank you so much for being on the pod and writing show notes while we're doing it. Gloria and Drew, thank you so much for being here, bringing the energy and the awesome questions. Appreciate it so much. Also, one shout out before we close out, mindful.solutions. Go to the website, get in touch with Kim. She is doing social media posts for you so that you don't have to keep up with it all the time, generating all that content. It's too much. She is now working for the float shop, so um, we finally can focus on other things. It is wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We've got another great marketing episode coming up next week, so stay tuned for that one. And thanks so much for supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Art of the Float is where you can go to check out float photography and float video. And uh, yeah, just help back up everything you're doing for your web design, your email blasts, your social media posts, all that stuff. So yes, 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 good times. And we will see you next week. Thank you so much. <laughs>